So before we get started, I actually want to talk about next week um, for just a second. I'm going to do a quick little pitch. Uh, several weeks ago, we did a sermon um, called Real Struggle, and we talked about anxiety and depression, and it was <coughs> the way it was received was, I mean, it was a really hard, it was a hard subject to talk about, um, but that, we, that sermon was viewed two and a half thousand times, and people all over Texas were reaching out saying, we've got to, this is something we've got to talk about, because it's a very, it's, it's kind of one of those subjects you don't really want to touch, but everyone's dealing with it, <laughs> and so uh, we're actually starting a new series, it's called I'm Fine, Thanks, uh, by the way, that title, I, normally these titles just it's come to me, and that one, I'm sitting for hours, and I'm just like, what? What am I going to call this thing? And so I'm sitting on Google, and I'm typing in, like, I want people to physically express, what does it feel like when you're walking, when, you, when you're having an anxiety attack, when you're walking into depression, I want you to verbalize what it feels like. And one of the comments was, <coughs> it feels like I'm always saying, I'm fine, thanks, and I'm never believing it. I was like, that's it. That's, that's the thing. I'm going to tell you, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be life-changing. Um, and many more people are struggling with this than will admit, and many more people are struggling with this than they know. I think a lot of us struggle with this, and we don't even, it's, it's not something that we for sure know that's what it is. We just know that we're hurting. Um, so I want to tell you, you really want to be here. It starts next week. But today we're ending our Indeed series. <laughs> this has also been a tough series um, where we've been talking about being free. You can't be free indeed unless you know that indeed you can be bound. And that's what we've tried to establish throughout the series is how do we get bound? Like how does the enemy put us under the influence of a demon? But more importantly, how do we break free from that? Because I'm tired in my life of letting the enemy take things from me. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of him taking my joy and taking my time and taking people from me. I'm tired of it. And so what I'm doing in this series is for my life personally, I don't want to deal with that anymore. I want to be free from that. And that's what we've been moving towards together as a church. Also, some of y'all are about to just get so excited, like just cheer. Today is probably the shortest sermon I will ever give you, ever. Okay? That actually wasn't the response I wanted. I wanted like a boo or... But... (laughs) Those of you that normally fall asleep, which I do see you, I won't name any names, but those of you that do, uh, this is a short sermon, and it's because I'm gonna, we're going to do something at the end uh, where it's going to just take you, you and the Lord time. Uh, but today's message is entitled, I'm Free. Uh, we're going to be in two main passages, Luke chapter 15, Matthew chapter 5, um, and just a, just a few verses in both of those. First, I want to establish again something I said last week, but... We don't need deliverance or discipleship. There's these two different camps that when you're struggling and when you're bound, people say, well, you just need to be delivered. You're just just under a curse. You just have a demon or whatever. You just need to be delivered. Well, that's part of it. But the other thing is you do have to be discipled. Okay, often we think freedom is like a light switch. I'm not going to flip this switch because believe it or not, everything in this room is this switch. (laughs) One time I made that mistake and it was just gone. (laughs) There was a movie on the screen of VBS and it was gone. So I'm not touching it. We think freedom is like a light switch, and we can come over and like, boom, I flip it on, and suddenly I'm free, and, and everything's, everything's good, and everything's like, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just totally great. It's wrong. <laughs> freedom is a process. It's something you have to work towards. It's not just a one, one-time fix. It's something that you have to work in continually 
over and over again. We've talked about this process of sanctification quite a bit. But where I'm here, and that's me perfect in heaven, and I'm in the process of getting there. I'm not just there automatically. It's a process. It's work. That's the same thing with freedom. We do have to be delivered. There is things that we have partnered with with the enemy that we're going to talk about today that we need to be delivered from. We've allowed ourselves to be put under the influence of the demonic, and it's something that we've done, and we can get free from that. But it also takes discipleship. It takes walking with people in discipline, learning and growing yourself. So don't let this series be everything for you. Don't let this series, you know, today ends, and suddenly you just, it, you just think everything's fine. We have other resources available. There's other things you can do. I want you to be as free as possible. I want you to leave and not feel bad at all, feel like you can do a cartwheel or, you know, whatever, a spiritual cartwheel. <laughs> I, don't do a physical cartwheel probably, but you know what I'm saying. We want to be free. And so don't let this be everything. So today we're going to focus on what does deliverance look like, what does discipleship look like, and how do we do it. So how do we break the bond of what the enemy has done in our lives? Point number one, recognize we need help. First step, hardest step, recognize we need help. You know, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. I've talked about this story before, um, but when you read the Bible, you can put yourself in a different perspective and put yourself in a different thought and take different points from different stories. So I can read the same story 15 times. I could preach on the same story 15 times and have 15 completely different messages from it. So that's what we're doing. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Watch this. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. The son, very lost, very, very lost. He's bound. He's broken. He had to have a moment that he realized... He was bound. He had to have a moment where he realized, I need help. It says, when he came to his senses. We talked about this picture last time of a man who goes to a bar and he gets very drunk and, and he meets this lady and, and it's dark in the room and he thinks she's this, this beautiful woman and this place is magical with all these memories and the bartender flips on the light and there's throw up in the corner and there's broken glass and there's bar napkins and, and she's pale from throwing up and like half of her clothes are up and he's just sitting there like, what? <laughs> this? I, I thought I was in this, magic, this beautiful, magical place, but when the light came on, I realized where I was. I realized how terrible my situation was. That's what this boy is having. He's, he's, he's a Jewish boy. He's laying with pigs, okay? That's the absolute worst thing. This would be like, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to... I was going to try and make a TCU joke just now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it's like. It's, it's like just the absolute worst thing. This Jewish boy laying with pigs, and he, has, he says, I can't, he came to his senses, and he realizes, what am I doing? I'm in a pig pen. The first step, the first step in deliverance is realizing we have a problem. 
realizing I need help. And that's what this boy had. <coughs> and we, that's what we have to do in ours. We've got to turn on the light. Something may look really, really pretty and look really, really great for your life, but you've got to say, all right, I've got to run this under the light. And when you do, you might see, this is not what I thought it was. This, I'm not where I thought it was. I'm not who I thought it was. I want it to change. Once we realize we can be in bondage, we realize we can be free. That's number one. Number two, repent to God and to others. Repent to God and to others. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. A misconception in our faith is that repentance and confession are the same thing. That when I confess my sin, when I sit and say, I sinned, I have repented of my sin. Repentance and confession are two completely different things. Repentance includes confession, but I can confess without ever having repented. I'm going to talk about what the word repentance means, and you're going to see. Repentance actually comes from two Greek words, metanoia, okay? Meta means change. Metamorphosis, for you science people, like flowers, I think, go through this. I, I don't know. Metamorphosis means change. Noia means mind. It literally means I'm changing my mind. I'm not just saying, hey, I struggled. Hey, I messed up. I'm saying I'm changing my mind about what I did. I was justifying this. I was thinking it was okay, and I'm changing my mind. A complete mind change. It's not just confession. So you have to confess, and you have to repent. But it's not just repenting about your sin. It's repenting about other thoughts you've had. It's about, I have a misconception about who you are, God, and I want to repent. I want to repent from that. I want to know who you are. I have a misconception about myself, God, about who you made me to be, and I want to change. I want that to change. God, tell me who, who I am. I have a misconception about grace. This is one I've struggled with. This is one a lot of Christians struggle with. We don't understand grace, and we need to repent. Repentance is not a bad word. We say repent, and it's like, oh, he has to repent. God repented. The Bible says God repented. When they were translating Scripture, the people that were translating the Bible, they got kind of wimpy, I guess, and they were like, we don't want to say God repented. That sounds bad. So they changed the word to relented. But when you look at the Greek word, it's metanoia. God changed his mind. That's what it is. God repented. We have to repent of some things too. I've had a misconception of grace for a long time, thinking I had to earn my way in, thinking I had to work hard enough to get my way into God's right standing, all these different things, and I had to repent from that mindset. This is what we have to do. This is the second step. We've got to repent because it affects every area of our life. I have to repent for the way that I think about other people, the way that I interact with other people. I've got to change my mind about that. Uh -uh, I don't, I don't want to think that anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. But this is something we have to walk in if we really want to be free. By the way, I want to clarify. God doesn't, God's character never changes. His character is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But biblically, there are people that never ceased praying and warring over a situation, and it says God changed his mind. And that's a sermon for a whole other series. <laughs> but if you want to talk about that, we're more than welcome to. 
<coughs> we've got to change our mind. Romans 12 talks about renew, renew your mind. It's something that we have to do. It's an activity that we have to participate in. And it doesn't necessarily include, well, I mean, it does include changing your ways, but it doesn't start with changing your ways. Okay, so if I'm consistently living in a pattern of sin, the way to get me to stop living in that sin is not just to tell me over and over again to stop. It has to change in my mind first. So for us, if there's something you're struggling with, your mind has to change about that sin before your actions will line up with that. Your heart has to change about that sin before your actions will line up. Which means you've got to saturate yourself in the Word of God. That's how we change our mind. I sit and I read over and over again, this is what God says. This is what He says about me. And I've got to repent, Lord, I'm sorry, I believed this about me, but this is what Your Word says, and I want to change my mind. I believe this about You, but this is what Your Word says, and I want to change my mind about that. That's how we begin to change our mind. Matthew chapter 5 <coughs> says this, verse 23. Whoops, I'm still in Luke. It says this, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. God has a big relational heart. He does not want you to be isolated. He wants you to live with people, in community with people, be around people. That also means... He wants you to be in right standing with other people. This is a hard part of freedom, I'm telling you, because there's people in my life that have hurt me, and I'm, I still, if I think about it too much, I'll get so, so mad. Or I see them at the grocery store, and I'm like, you know what? If, if the roof fell right there, <laughs> and you got hit in the face, I would, I would probably help, but after I took a picture, you know? Like, there's these kind of people that we have in our lives. And we just have this bitterness that's built up. And God says, if you're bringing a gift to me, go get right with everyone else first. What he's saying is, you can't even be right with me until you're right with other people. You've got to fix some of this stuff. I've got to repent about, the, about what I thought about this person. I've got to repent about the way that I treated it, change my mind about how I was treating them. Ceiling falls on them, I'm going to help them. That's it. <laughs> I'm not going to take a picture. That's it. I've got to change my mind. And that's what he's saying we've got to do. Before you even can be right with God, we have to be right with other people. He's so relational. He wants us to be right. Forgiveness is hard. <laughs> Bitterness is so easy. And forgiveness is so hard. If this is something that you're struggling with, I'm we did a sermon actually on this chapter uh, several months ago. Go listen to it. Go pray through it. It's, it. it's good. We have to live in forgiveness, especially as Christians. We have to be the most forgiving people on the face of this earth. And often, we're the most bitter people on the face of this earth. We've got to change. Okay, it starts, it starts there. We've got to get right. Confession and repentance brings healing to our lives. I'm going to tell you a quick myth about repentance. There's a myth that says, God can't love me because of the things that I've done and the way that I've lived, so why would I change now? Basically, like, I'm already here. Why turn around? I'm going to tell you some people. Man after God's own heart, David, murderer, adulterer, changed his heart, changed his mind. God used him. God loved him. Rahab, prostitute, God used her, loved her. You have Moses, murderer, God used him, loved him. 
My favorite example is the man standing next to Jesus on the cross has lived his whole entire life in sin and in that moment changed his heart about who Jesus was and he is spending eternity in heaven right now with Jesus because of that. They're probably up there talking about Texas Tech's huge win yesterday, right now, because <laughs> it's heaven. Because of what he did, because he changed his mind on the cross. You're not too far gone. Nothing you've done has taken you too far gone that you can't change your mind and change your heart. He, he's so in love with you and he's just waiting. But Satan works in the darkness. He wants you to feel that way. And he wants you to keep everything you've done, everything you've thought, everything you've walked through bottled up. No, you don't need to. Kind of like what we're talking about next week with anxiety and depression. It's time to break the silence. There's a silence and we have this shame and this guilt. Shame is not from Jesus. Jesus died and took your shame. He knew you were going to mess up. He died anyways. He loves you. It's not about, we, we don't need to walk in shame. Walk in grace and walk in love that, that Jesus offered. But Satan wants you to operate in the darkness. I'm telling you, you can't, you can't thrive that way. You, you're going to die. You cannot physically and spiritually survive that long in the dark. I'm not saying that if you're struggling with something, you need to go on Facebook and like post your whole life away. I don't do that, actually. That's, that's not smart, okay? Find one person. Find your pastor. Find your, find your accountability partner. Find your, somebody that's more spiritually mature than you that wants to hold you accountable and just be like, you know what? This is what I've struggled with. I want to confess this as sin. I'm struggling with pornography. I want to confess it as sin. I'm struggling with these. I'm struggling with this. I just want to confess it as sin. But it's got to get out there. Because the longer it stays in here, you're going to keep dealing with it over and over and over again until you, until you bring it out in the light. You can't survive in the dark. All right, that's point number two. <coughs> point number three, renounce his lies. Renounce Satan's lies. We're going to go back to Luke now, Luke chapter 15, and start at verse 25. There's two brothers in the story that y'all know, but both of them were in bondage. Both of them were lost. Both of them have a misunderstanding of who God or who their father was, okay? We honestly can relate to both of them probably on a weekly basis. Verse, chapter 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has not back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Watch this. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young calf so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered this property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The older brother is bound because he believed a lie. Every bondage you will ever have in your life starts with a lie. A lie that you believe that the enemy has told you. That's every bondage, every single time you will be bound, it starts with a lie. He believed the always and never lies, which we often believe. He says, I've never done anything wrong. I've never once done anything wrong. There's, there's the first lie because he's not Jesus. So he's absolutely done something wrong. 
Any of you have children in here? Yeah? Have your children messed up? (laughs) This is the same thing. This is not like a, a holy child, like one set apart. He's not Jesus. He messed up. You can't tell me that when this kid was a baby, he didn't once yell, mine. He wasn't once selfish about a toy. Absolutely. He messed up. He says, I've never done anything wrong. But then he said, and you've never even given me a young goat. He said, you've never given me anything, yet you kill a cow for this kid, and you've never given me anything? Well, here's the reality. In the first few verses, it says the father divided his property between them. He already divided the property. And because he was the older son, he got two-thirds. He got two-thirds of everything his father owned, and he already had it, already in his possession, and he sits and looks at his dad who did it and says, you, didn't, you never gave me anything. His father's thinking, I gave you everything. I gave you everything that you owed, every single thing that's already yours. But he believed a never lie, that that never happened. And the father had to correct him. If you keep going, my Bible keeps shutting. If, if you keep going down, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. The father had to correct him. I'm going to tell you something. The father has to correct us about lies that we believe every single day because we believe them. But you know how he does it? Right here. It's right here. People say, well, God, God didn't speak to me about that. He didn't speak to me about who I am. He already did. It's all right here. You just got to open it up and read what he says about you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's right here. He already told you. We have to begin to believe the truth about God's word and speak out what we've believed and proclaim it's a lie. God, I've believed this about you. I believe that you're not just, but I want to break that. I want to break it and believe that you are just, that your word says you are just. God, I've believed that I'm a mistake for a long time. When we say this out loud, I believe that I'm a mistake, but your word says you have a plan for me, and I want to believe that. We've got to repent, change our mind. And you know what? You've got to convince yourself of the truth. It's hard. Because we've believed lies for so long about who we are, about who He is, about what grace is, about our relationship. We believed it for so long, we have to convince ourselves of the truth. But you do that by speaking it out even when it doesn't feel like it. When I don't feel like I'm worth it, I'm going to speak it out. When I don't feel like I can take any more, I'm going to speak it out. When I feel like I can't go any further, I'm going to speak out the truth of God's Word. We have to renounce his lies. And you know, often these come from little lies that we believe come from things that were said over us for a long time. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out my nieces. They're the cutest things on the face of the earth, and they, don't, they have never once been mean to me ever. Okay, I'm going to preface with this. My nieces call me Uncle Fatty, F-A-T-T-Y. Okay, hello. If you see on Facebook, they do. This came from my brother. My brother, when I was younger, he always called me Fatty. Actually, then it was because I was skinny. Now it's just mean. <laughs> but that, some of my nieces will call me Uncle Fatty, Uncle Fatty, Uncle Fatty. And honest to goodness, over the last couple of years, I have struggled with my self-image, thinking because I'm like, Fatty? Like, that's, that's me? It's a lie that I began to believe. And obviously, again, my nieces mean no harm whatsoever. My brother means no harm whatsoever. But some of these things... We get in our mind. You know, my whole life, people told me I was clumsy, you know. So I just believe that I'm clumsy. Well, you're not. We've got to speak the lies that people have said 
over you for a long time. Often, siblings will say things to each other when they're siblings, and we just excuse it as if it's just, they're just playing around. You know, they're just messing around like, mom and dad didn't want you. I'm the favorite. Things like this. (laughs) I never said that. (laughs) But what happens is people begin to believe it. People begin to believe, oh my goodness, that per- they really are the favorite. I'm, I'm, I'm not the favorite. They like them more than me. And we begin to believe these lies, and we've got to renounce them as lies. That's not true. I'm going to speak the truth <coughs> over these situations. All right, number four, receive the Father's gifts. When the young son comes home, I'm not going to read this part because I told you I was going to be short, and I'm already not. So when the, when the son comes home, When the son comes home, his father gives him four gifts. I mean, three gifts. He gives him a robe. He gives him a ring. And he gives him sandals. And each of these has a significant impact on this young man's life. And it should have an impact on our life. It's things that the father is offering to us. A robe. This represents righteousness. It's his identity. He's made righteous. You have a new identity that Jesus has given you, but you have to receive it. We've talked about the phrase free gift before, right? how that's a little bit redundant because all gifts are free. I'm not going to give Jackie a Christmas gift and then be like, $39, please. That makes no sense. He's just saying, here, take it. You don't owe me anything. Just take it. Here's your righteous identity. Just take it. We've got to accept that gift. The ring represents some authority. There's authority that's been taken from us, and he's saying, I want to give you that back. I'm going to give you that authority back. And the shoes, the shoes can represent a million different things, but the one that came to me <laughs> as I was preparing is, I believe that the shoes are a form of power. And the Lord's saying, you know what? I want to give you power. And it's not just, it's not like this dominance power, like he, he's going to make you the next attorney general of the United States. It's not about that. It's about spiritual power. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you have power. But these are things that we have to accept as a gift. And it's a big part of deliverance. All right, I'm going to go through... Three more things, real quickly, really, really quickly. That's the deliverance side. Other thing we need is discipleship. Three things, three ways we can get discipleship, really quickly. Number one, freedom ministries, okay? I have a ton of freedom resources. There's a booklet that I've gone through in my life multiple times that sits and says, have you ever believed this about yourself? Have you ever believed this about God? And you go through it and you speak it out and you work through this booklet and you sit and you pray and it has worship songs that come with it and you pray through it and it's Freedom Ministries, and it's so that you can make sure you're getting that stuff out. So you're not holding anything back. I would love for you to do this. I would love for you to do it with me. I would love for you to find your accountability partner and do it with them. Do it. Just whatever you do, do it. Message me on Facebook. Call me, whatever it is. Some of you that call me know that I normally don't answer the phone because I don't answer the phone to random numbers. But call me, leave me a voicemail, I will call you back. Get involved with this. This is important. Number two, accountability. We need accountability in our lives. We need people. We need people to walk with us. We struggle, and we struggle more when we're alone. When I was in junior high, I actually was not struggling with pornography, but I was worried that I was going to struggle with pornography. I was was worried that it was going to be something I was going to start struggling with. And so I was like, I'm going to get on top of this thing. So I found this pastor at the church, and I met with him, and I said, you know what, I I really want to be on top of this. And I said, I'm going to download this app on my phone. And every website I ever went to and everything I ever looked at was sent to him. Okay? He got, a, he got a message at the end of the week of everything that I've done. It was super annoying. It was very, very annoying. Because he would text me like, 
Monday mornings and was like, so I saw you were looking at the Spurs game last night. I was like, man, this is creepy. This is like Big Brother. I mean, it was just terrifying. But it was accountability. I knew that I had somebody there that would hold me accountable, that would make sure I wasn't walking in that stuff. We need these people in our lives. We need these people to walk with us. If there's something you're struggling with, find somebody to walk with you. Even if there's not something you're struggling with, find somebody to get coffee with, to just have a meal with once a week, just spend time with to make sure you don't fall into things, make sure you don't struggle. The last one, this is a hard one, never be satisfied. C.S. Lewis says, repentance is something you should never stop. I should never stop repenting. I want to continue repenting, continue changing my heart because it's always going to shift back if I'm not on top of things. We can't be satisfied. I have a little bit of sin in my life, but I'm okay with it. I have a little bit of rebellion in my heart, but I'm okay with it. I just don't believe God in this area, but I'm okay with it. Don't be. Don't be okay with it. Let's fight it. Let's get down. You can win. We are at war, but you can win. Let's fight it, and let's be free indeed. We're going to do it. Here's how we're going to end today. Uh, this is a little, bit, <coughs> a little bit of a strange way. <clears throat> if I can use my voice. <coughs> I'm going to sing over you, which is just very awkward. Some of you are like, uh, what? <laughs> I'm going to sing a song about freedom. What I want you to do, I don't, a lot of you are going to know this song. I don't want you to sing. I want you to sit and receive. I want you to sit and in this time be praying, God, is there, is there something I need to be free in? God, is there something you want me to renounce? Is there something I've believed that I need to renounce? Is there something I need to change my mind about? I just want you to sit. Just sit and spend time talking to God. Spend, sit and spend, spend time listening to God. He wants to speak to you. And so, again, please don't sing uh, because I want this time to be between you and Jesus <coughs> and Him to be able to minister to you. Lord, we love you and we're thankful for you. And God, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts right now. I pray that we would come to know you in a deeper way right now. <coughs> pray that you would speak to our hearts about things that we need to be free from. We love you. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. If you're trying to fill this same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a savior, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chain, he's a chain breaker.
We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight We've all run to things we know just ain't right There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain, oh, he's a pain taker If you feel lost, he's a way maker If you need freedom, a savior He's a prison shaking savior If you got chains He's a chain breaker If you believe it If you receive it If you can feel it Somebody testify If you believe it If you receive it If you can feel it Somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, oh, if you receive it, oh, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. You need freedom, a savior. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you need freedom, a savior. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful that you are a chain breaker, God, and that there can be things in our life that are holding us back. There can be things that we're struggling with, things that we're hurting, and that you've come so that we can be free. Not just spiritually free, but we can be free right now, right here on earth. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be free. We can be free now. And Father, I just pray that that would be our heart, that we would desire that freedom. God, never let us settle. Always keep us on our toes. Always keep us thinking about how can I be more free? How can I be more like Jesus? How can I be as free as I can be today? Lord, I thank you that you sent your son so that we could be free. And I pray that we would receive that gift today. We would receive your gift today. In Jesus' name, amen.